the American Theatre Wing, and the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts bring you the American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre. This session, The Talent Agent. Hello, I'm Pia Lindstrom with the American Theatre Wing, and with me is the talent agent, Lionel Larner. Welcome. Thank you. Mr. Larner has represented many people, Carol O'Connor, Michael Caine, Stacy Keach, Glenda Jackson, Betty Davis, Diana Rigg, Dorothy Loudon, and Ethel Merman, among the many, many people that you've represented. What is the difference, actually, between a talent agent, a literary agent, and a casting agent? Um, a talent agent represents talent actors, um, and maybe, you know, and maybe some technical people, choreographers, um, directors. A um, literary agent represents the written word. He'll represent plays, he'll represent books. Right. And um, a casting agent uh, is usually a person that is um, assigned um, to a producer, to a production, to seek out the talent. So they will um, they will do the preliminary work. They'll make up the lists for each part, submit them to the producer, to the director, and then schedule auditions. The agent will call the casting director to present his client, when, and then in turn the casting director will present it to the producer. That's so, a simplistic answer. Well, so you, as a talent agent, have to know the casting agents. Oh, absolutely. And you have to know the literary agents. Absolutely. I mean, the more people you know, the more contacts you have, the better, because sometimes there are stumbling, some stumbling blocks. A casting director, I may present a client for a part, and the casting director may have an well, hopefully they will have an opinion, and sometimes it's not um, an affirmative one. They say, no, we don't think they're right. And... Um, I was taught by a great mentor, and he always said, well, if I, as an agent, would think my client wasn't right, he would say, don't be a genius. Let the director or the producer, you know, make that decision. Mm -hmm. So if there's a ballpark where they could be right, mm -hmm. and sometimes you can do it in an interesting way if you're a creative agent, Sometimes you can see a role and say, wouldn't it be interesting to play that with a man? Wouldn't it be interesting to play it ethnically? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is happening now, but otherwise it can be very rigid. You know, part written for a character 30 to 40, mm -hmm. blonde, blue-eyed. Mm -hmm. You know, you could end up, you know, with something totally different, with some creative casting. You represent actors, you right. said, and you represent designers as well, like a set designer? I have represented set designers, yes. And, and directors? I have represented directors, and um, I've represented uh, costume designers. Well, what exactly do you represent when you represent a person? Well, um, for instance, I was representing Anna White, the mm -hmm. choreographer, and um, she had done half a sixpence. Mm -hmm. And um, when they were doing MAME, Bobby Fryer called me and asked me uh, if he could meet with Honor to and do... And who was Bobby Fryer? Bobby Fry Robert Fryer was a, a, pro um, a producer okay. with a lot, of, you know, a lot of hits. And he was doing MAME, and of course no one had any idea what kind of success that would, that would be like. And um, he asked to have a meeting with Honor, and we went over and we met. And uh, this is... Anna said, who is going to direct? And he said, well, we haven't set the director, Anna. Is there anyone you like working with? And she had just worked with Gene Sachs in uh, Half a Sixpence, and um, that's how that happened. 
So um, when you when you would say wh what do I represent? Um, when I, when a producer is doing a play, um, he would call me or wh whoever, whichever agent and say, you know, we, we, you make contacts, you make friends, they feel comfortable with your ideas. Often, um, I built my reputation on saying, look, I don't have a client that's right. I don't want to waste your time. But if I were producing this play and I could have anyone in the world, I would get so-and-so. And so-and-so represents them. And they say, oh, gee, Lionel, that's really terrific of you, you know. And, but it paid off because they would call me again. Then when they would call me, um, they would say, well, we're doing, you know, such a play, we want to send you the play. And then I'd read the script, and then I would call up and say, you know, I have got some ideas. And I would mention my various clients for the parts and, you know, say who's directing. If they didn't have a director, I'd recommend one of my directors. And, you know, the important thing is to get involved. You have to get, you have to get involved, you know, with the production. You negotiate their salary. Is what there something else? You negotiate how much money each person is being well, it's, paid. Well, um, it's, it's, it's very um, detailed. I mean, once, you're, once you're, you're fortunate and you get your client the role, then the next thing that happens is you either talk to the, um, to the producer directly, and it depends which medium you're working in, you know, whether it's film or theater or television. Um, it, the business has changed so much. In the old days, you'd sit down directly with Otto Preminger right, or Robert Rosson, mm -hmm. and you would negotiate right across the table with them for your client. The producers. The producers. Mm -hmm. um, then, um, you know, a lot of producers um, would have general managers or production managers, and you might talk to them. We now have a thing called business affairs, who actually <laughs> probably have never been to the theatre, don't know your client, they don't care, <laughs> and there's no, the passion isn't there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a passion, mm -hmm. and when you were dealing with those people, um, they would make deals on a whim because they were passionate. They wanted that person. It wasn't, well, we're going to go to the second mm -hmm. person. Um, but we negotiate. Um, when you see an actor's name in lights, mm -hmm. that does, just does not happen. Some agent is there saying, we want the name in lights. Uh, some agent is saying that on the billboard, the name has to be so many inches high. They say it has to be, um, if you're not the first person, if you're not the star, um, you know, if you're not Nathan Lane and you're not Brad, Brad, uh, Matthew Broderick, you're the second person, the third person, that agent is going to say, well, can it be the same size as, as Nathan Lane? No. <laughs> so it has to be 75%, 50%, but you negotiate the size. The size of the letters. Yes. And then the contract, if it's written well, will say that it will be in the same color, type, boldness, um, and will appear wherever and whenever, and all of this has to be written out very carefully. And you have to say where it's going to appear, and then and then you have to put in that it will appear in the ABC ads. Now they don't want to give you the ABC ads because every line costs a hundred dollars or something mm -hmm. like that. A mm -hmm. hundred dollars every day is seven is seven hundred dollars a week. Right. You multiply that by fifty-two <laughs> weeks. That adds on to the cost of the production. You've got to think about the investors. But an agent. Um, who's had ABC ads for his actor before will will fight to get them again. Also, once you get an actor above the title, you really don't want to see your actor go under the title. I always, with my clients that I was building, would go for and and with, 
And when I got them above the title, they, I had them so established, it was, you're never going below the title again. So, <laughs> so that's a big issue, above the title of the play or below, below the, the yes. title of the play. Well, yeah, I mean, I once had an actor call me and say, you know, he was very upset because he was third under the title and he should have been second. And um, I was actually leaving for Europe because my mother was about to have a leg amputated. And I, oh. I was so angry with him calling me because he knew the sentence. And I said, you know... At the end of the day, they're going to come out and say you were very good or you weren't very good, but they're not going to say you were third and you should have been second. But it's negotiated. The dressing room is negotiated. Who gets the first star dressing room? Who gets the second star dressing room? Or if it's a film, uh, whether or not you have a Winnebago. You know, um, all of those things are negotiated. Um, ladies have approval of their hair. Ladies have... Um, if you're a star, I mean... This doesn't happen to, you know, the person that, you know, gets their first job. That, this all comes later, but a star has approval of photo approval. That mm. all is, this is all negotiated. How much they're going to get a week, how long they're going to be in the play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the run of the play, I mean, a year, 18 months, mm. I mean, six months. Big stars sometimes don't want to do long runs, but with the economics they have to stay in the play in order for the producer to recoup. And, um, but how long, how many months is all part of the negotiating? I mean... So you have to be a diplomat. Well, you are a bridge between uh, two egos, the ego of the producer, the ego of the client. And, um, so I, and yet, I, mean, I think being a diplomat helps in absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the other qualities, uh, or, uh, as you look around and see other talent agents, what kind of people become talent agents? Uh, what kind of people? Well, I think people become t who have a love, um, a passion uh, for the business. You know, maybe they wanted to be an actor um, and, um, you know, then uh, find that uh, th they, they're not good enough to be an actor, but they have other qualities, nurturing qualities. I think that you have to have a tremendous amount of, of, of patience and, uh, you, you know, your mother, father, you know, your confessor, your everything to your, you know, to your client. And... Um, I think that uh, people that people that uh, love the business, love to be in the entertainment business, become agents. You mentioned nurturing. Don't you have to be tough too? You have to be very tough because there's a time, um, you know, um, when you take a young client, um, maybe out of Juilliard, out of drama school. They, you know, they read in the paper about the millions of dollars people are getting on Cheers, and, and they think they're going to make that kind of money, and then they discover that, um, you know, someone's giving them a break, and they're going to get scale because they've never done anything before, and they don't understand always that they're getting a break, and then, you know, their, their next job, they're still not going to get millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, I had a situation with a young girl who was very inexperienced, I mean, um, and she got a lead in a major musical, and she really thought she was going to get $20,000 a week, and what she didn't understand is that she should have paid them, you know, but that wasn't the attitude. The attitude was, I was called back out of 200 people, and she did get a significant, a significant amount of money, but she was very difficult about it, and she, um, she held up... Um, she helped, she helped. She made me do things I was uncomfortable about doing because a good agent 
will make a, de a very good deal where the actor is happy and the producer is happy. If you squeeze so hard mm -hmm. that you have him over a barrel and he has to pay too much, he ends up resenting the client. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't work well. I mean, it's not always important to get the last dollar. Where do you find these young people to represent? Well, um, Carol O'Connor, I found off-Broadway in The Big Knife. It was a play that was, I, I think it was um, being done at the, um, at the neighborhood play. I think it was done at the neighborhood play, or the American um, Academy. Uh, and it was, um, he was a school teacher and he, he was doing you know, teaching school, mm -hmm. $45 a week, and it was directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh. And I went one rainy night not to see him, but to see another actor who'd invited me in, and I was absolutely knocked out by, by him and his performance, and he came in to meet me, mm -hmm. and we, um, we all fell in love with him at the office, and I f at first I thought he was mimicking me, because he spoke, he was playing a New York Jewish producer, and he spoke so eruditely when he came into the office, and I thought, he's making fun of my accent. <laughs> and then he told me a joke, and he spoke like a Nazi, and I thought, my God, this man, and then, then I realized he was Irish, and he was so gifted, and mm -hmm. so we suggested him for all these parts, and he very quickly became a very, um, you know, popular, in-demand actor in New York and then went out to Hollywood and, of course, ultimately all in the family. He did a load of films before that. Mm -hmm. But I found him off-Broadway and I think it's where you find most people. One girl that I started um, was a model and her name was Catherine Oxenberg, but I met her at a dinner party mm -hmm. and knowing that all models really want to act, mm -hmm. you know, I said to her, would you like to act and have you ever acted? And she had, and I said, bring your portfolio in. And um, the first job that I got her, I mean, she was such a natural for her, but it was playing Princess Diana in oh. a TV movie about Charles and Diana at the mm -hmm. beginning of their romance. So you have to go out at night looking so to speak, well, uh, to go to the theater, go absolutely. to parties. You have, well, you have to go, uh, you have to, really, you have to go to the theater all the time. You have to go to the, you have to go to the showcases, you have to go to the graduating classes, and uh, you have to, you know, do, do all, all of that. When you say graduating classes, at acting the, uh, schools, so do you go schools. to the, the actor's studio and look for people? Or? Well, I actually haven't been to the actor's studio because I don't think they've ever invited me, but, oh. um, you know, all of the drama schools, when they have their graduating classes, um, ask all of the agents and casting directors to come in and see, you know, to see their, the, the graduating class. And then um, it's very systematic after the production, you know, you're, 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 um, they schedule meetings with the mm -hmm. actors. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the other, I mean, that's when you're finding absolutely raw talent, you right. know, young talent. Um, but the other way an agent gets clients is either by recommendation and, um, you know, if you're dealing, um, say, with a client in a play and maybe there are problems, there are always problems, but you go, out, you, know, you go out of town and you're solving those problems, the other actors see you around. They say, well, God, her agent, his agent's here, his agent's taking care of it. I'd like him to be my agent. And so the minute there's trouble, you know, you get a phone call. Or well, like what trouble? What, what trouble would an actor call her agent or his agent about? They're taking away one of my lines. They're <laughs> taking away my song. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, it's, it's incredible, you know, mm -hmm. what they, the, the problems that will come up. You mm -hmm. can't, I sometimes can't even dream up the problems.
Taking away one of my lines is a big one. That's the big one. And well, what can one. you do about that? Why well, you, you? Well, there isn't very much that you can do about it. I mean, there, there really isn't. You can just smooth ruffled feathers. And it really depends upon who the client is. If it's Ethel Merman, you can do a lot about it, because she could get a sore throat very quickly. I see. You see, another thing is, um, and sometimes, like, another thing we didn't talk about about what an actor does, a big star has a dresser. Um, a dresser costs money, costs the production money. Uh, a younger star would not necessarily have a dresser. And she has to dress herself. She has to dress herself. <laughs> now, if they didn't want, if you were trying very hard to get your client a job and they were fighting you on the dresser, the, the oldest thing in the world is you'd say, look, I know you've got 19 changes in the first act. Just accept this contract, because they'd sit there saying, no, I can't do it, I wouldn't do it. And you say, you can't lose this job, so do it. You're just going to be late. You're just going to be late for one of your entrances. Oh. And that you address her appears like that. The next day, you've got a dresser. So, you know, it's, it's those things. You have to be a little tricky then. Oh, absolutely. You One of the qualities oh, yes. of an agent is to oh, be a little tricky. A little tricky, <laughs> a absolutely. A little tricky. Yes, yes. It also sounds like you have to be, have intimate no. knowledge of the business well, to know I, these things. I think, um, it, I, I think you, look, experience in everything helps. Um, and when you've, you know, you're in a neophyte, obviously would not, that wouldn't occur, that wouldn't occur to them. But um, an agent, well, I've, Hollywood agents, New York agents. One of a very famous Hollywood agent was, you know, was called up and asked about a very famous actor for the Three Sisters, and he just wouldn't do it because it was called the Three Sisters. <laughs> he had no idea even what the Three <laughs> Sisters, sisters was. was. But um, I mean, you know, my background was very strongly in theatre, so um, when a when a Shakespearean play, an Ibsen, a classical play, um, Chekhov. Um, I, I was very familiar with all the parts. I mean, I basically didn't really even have to read the script. I knew which parts my clients, you know, should be presented for. So, you know, a knowledge, you know, a knowledge, a background, you know, in, um, you know, uh, the arts like that, it's very important to have. So you would suggest if a person thought they might be interested in becoming a talent agent, they ought to take drama courses and... Literature would, courses. Well, I would. I think actually, if one, I think that if I was coming into the business today, mm -hmm. um, I would want a legal background um, oh. as well as. I mean, I want oh. to be passionate about the theatre, um, but I'd want a legal background because the business has changed so much because the, negoti the negotiating now gets into so many subsidiary rights. I mean, you know, you, um, how much of your performance do you own? You know, an actor gives the performance, it's put on tape, and suddenly, you know, it's, um, you know, showing all over the world. So, you know, there are all these residuals and uh, ownership, and ownership of, of thought, and ownership, you know, of an idea, you know, that is it yours or is it theirs? And so I think that, you, you know, you ha it would be, ve it's very important. And you heard um, when I said that you have to, you, you often you could, I used to write the contract, um, you know, now I, I think a lot of people send the contract, but um, you nevertheless have to review the contract. And um, so if it might just say the actor will have third star billing, but it won't say that it will be in the same color, prominence, you know, et, et cetera, boldness, 
size of um, style of type mm -hmm. um, and will appear everywhere. So then you say, hey, just a minute on clause three with regard to the mm -hmm. billing, I want to clarify the following things. And, um, and so an, a knowledge of at least of these contracts, um, that I got just from experience. But if I was starting mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. I would want a legal background. Do you have to be a lawyer or just take some courses in uh, contracts? Well, I think, um, I think to t uh, take a, um, a, a general uh, law course would not be a bad idea, but certainly just have um, uh, a knowledge of, le of, um, of entertainment law, law. Uh, entertainment law mm -hmm. would be, you know, take courses in that. But I think it would be a huge help. Accounting? Accounting would be excellent too, because you have you certainly have to deal you know with figures. I don't have uh, um, you know much accounting skills. I just went for big numbers. I just named <laughs> <Because> numbers. It's <laughs> another way to do it. Yes. <laughs> A million dollars. It sounds good. Right? I mean, that does sound good. <laughs> right. Well, now we, we have, we're going to study the classics. We're going to get a legal background. What other things would you suggest a young person do uh, to prepare <sighs> to be an agent? Well, I think that if somebody is serious about becoming an agent, um, obviously they would have to have you know the, the the interests that I've suggested. They would have to be. I mean, presumably they've gone to the theatre, they've seen a lot of movies, they're buff, you know, they're mm -hmm. theatre buff. And then now, what to do next? The next thing to do would be to um, get any job that you could around the theatre, if you know, because that would give you an, a, a wonderful sort of you know um, idea of what goes on. Mm -hmm. But um, the obvious thing to do would be to get a job with one of the big agencies or even one of the small agencies. I think getting a job with one of the small agencies is sometimes better because you can get lost in the mailroom. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of, you know, we hear about the ones that come out of the mailroom, you know, the David Geffens and, yeah. um, you know, and the spectacular success. But um, I... But those I, are the geniuses. They are the... They most are of the, us... Well, they are the geniuses, yes. Do it another way. Right, um, but I think um, you know. Sometimes when you're in a, you know when you're in a uh, small office, I mean, you know, when I started, um, I started with um, an agency in in, uh, in England that represented a theatre, but they also had vaudeville acts, and um, I answered the phone and I typed the. The, you know, the, um, we, it was a vacancy list, a list went out each week telling you who was available, you know, the acts that were available, wh which weeks they were available, which weeks they were vacant. It went out to like a vaudeville circuit. And it would say, acts so, like jugglers oh, and uh, was, dog acts. Uh, we what? had uh, Carolina and his canine comedians, <laughs> uh, Don Felipe Marta, Peppino and his miniature circus, we had hypnotists. And then we had a, a theater called the Intimate Theater Palmer's Green where they were doing Jane Eyre one week and, uh, you know, our wilderness the next, and they were rehearsing a play during the day and doing a play at night. So, I mean, I got, and, you know, I worked for other small agencies, and uh, they did summer shows, and I was, mm -hmm. like, taking ballet slippers down to, you know, the seaside before opening night. I mean, the, all of that. And then when I, then I went to work for Otto Preminger, and, and then I, when I came here... Well, you just toss that off now. You meant to work for Otto Preminger. I mean, that's well, not I'm something... I'm sorry. A great I realize famous this, producer this interview is not time. about me. It's about, yes, you know, getting yes. into the business. But, but so it, one thing is to be seen, and, and somebody well-known likes you well, when um, you are... 
when I wrote him a letter, yes. I mean, I was working for a television company in London at this point, and um, he was coming to England to make St. Joan, and I wrote him a letter, and it was a very simple letter. I said that I knew he was coming to England to make the movie of St. Joan with Gene Seberg, and that I could um, type and drive a car. Thank God he never asked me to drive him, <laughs> but I could type and drive a car, and I was familiar with actors, and if I could mm -hmm. help, um, you know, and then he called me and interviewed me and he hired me and, he, and I said, who will I assist because I'd never been a casting director. And he said, what do you mean? You will be the casting director. And after that, um, I, I, I came to New York and I couldn't get a job and I went to work with the, for the Bible Society. The reason I couldn't get a job was I had all this theatrical background, you know, that was, it was very solid, lots of agency experience in London. Um, the, I'd worked for um, a, a commercial television company. I worked for the BBC, Otto Preminger, and when I came here, I, I was overqualified and so mm. regular jobs wouldn't hire me. And finally, I got a job with a, with a, a very good independent agency. Um, so it sounds like a little bit of luck is needed too on who you meet and maybe having the courage to write somebody and present yourself. Well, I think luck is, very, is a very big part of the business. I think that um, however talented you are, because mm -hmm. um, I do think talent will out, but however talented you are, you really do have to have that, the right, that right part coming along at exactly the time in life that mm -hmm. you are right for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, you've just got to be, you've got, I mean, you, I mean, parts are written for people like Ethel Merman, but when a part it comes along and it's like, God, I could have played that part 20 years ago or I could have played that part 10 years from now, but you've got to be just that and you've got to be there, you've got to have the agent that's going to get you in. Now, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. When an agent calls the casting director, they will have an opinion. Well, he's right, he's not right. But if you feel passionate about it, you're going to have to, a good agent won't, accept, won't be bullied by the casting director. Now, it means making an enemy. The casting director does not want you to go over their head. But I've been a casting director. And, um, and I don't care you know, <laughs> if I feel strongly about my client. And, I actually had a producer tell me that my client, and I'll tell you the client, it was Sam Levine, and um, it was the Sunshine Boys, and I called Manny Eisenberg, who I know has done one of these interviews, right, right, and he said, see. Lionel, if he was the last actor in the world, I wouldn't hire him. I had a fight with him. I took him up on charges, and I said, but you know, and he said, no, save your voice. I won't use him. Um, and um, I wrote an, an impassioned letter to Neil Simon, and I said that uh, this was one of the greatest actors on the American stage, and it wasn't his agent saying it. I was quoting a theater critic, mm -hmm. and I said, I've read the play. It could have been written for him, and all I'm asking is that you see him. And I said, there had been an incident with your producer, who I hold in very high esteem, and I still do. Manny's a great guy. And, the best. And I said, I hold him in very high esteem, but I said, all I'm asking is that you see my client, and if he doesn't get it, he's failed fairly, and I can't ask for more than that. Mm -hmm. And um, Neil Simon and Manny called, and they took us to lunch, and he, we didn't get the part. There were two very equal parts. We didn't get the part we wanted, but he got the other part, and he was on Broadway that season. The other incident was with um, another person, a producer who's done this uh, program, was Hal Prince, and uh, he, was, he called me and said, um, I, he was doing night music, and he said, uh, you know, did I have, he wanted Keith Michelle, who was a client of mine, to play um, the Baron, uh, but he said, I said, who's playing Desiree? And he said, well, I don't have anyone, who do you, who do you, who do you have? And I said, well, 
if I were casting this and I could have anyone in the world, I would want um, Lily Palmer. And he said, Lionel, it's such a great idea. He said, she doesn't sing. I've already approached mm. her. But he said, you know the quality that I want. I want that continental quality. And so I said, well, I do have someone, and it's Glynis Johns. And he said, she's not right. Mm. And um, we talked about it. And uh, I said, you know, I've just come back from Washington. I saw her in a play. Uh, by no card called the Marquise. She's playing an international, um, you know, cabaret star with many affairs. And I said, and she is right. And he said, no. He said she's too English. I said she lived in South Africa. She lived in America. She's very, very European. He said, no, no, no. She's not right. I said, how? I'm going to send you her reviews. And I said, uh, she was wonderful. So he said, I'd like to see them. I said, but I don't want to go through this charade. Will you read them? He said, yes, I will. I promise you I'll read them. He read the reviews. He called me and said, well, obviously, we, we must see her. And she got the part. And that season, I had two actors on Broadway that had both been turned down. And Glynis won the Tony. So persistence sounds like a quality one needs. Um, you don't give up. Well, I pa a pa a pas if you really feel passionate mm -hmm. that, that your client could do it. And you know, you don't give up. I mean, sometimes um, a client has a job and it's not going well. And this happened, um, you know, with Carol O'Connor on uh, his um, last series on uh, Heat of the Night mm -hmm. when uh, he was very unhappy about um, you know, a situation, and it wasn't going to work. And we had a meeting with Brandon, Brandon Tardikoff, and it just—it was—they they said, "If you're that unhappy, we're going to get Ernie Borgnine." And Carol said, "Well, he's a fabulous actor, and he's played this—not uh, Ernie Borgnine, um, oh God, Rod Steiger, ah. and uh, who'd played it in the movie." And he said, "He's wonderful, and you should get him." And I never stopped talking. I mean, I phoned from the airport. I phoned Carol. I called, you know, um, uh, Freddie Silverman. I just did not stop talking. I called his wife. His wife helped me. I called <laughs> Carol's wife. I called Carol. And finally, somebody said yes, and it went on to become a big... But you have to, you know, just be tenacious. Like, you have to be like a, um, a pit bull with a bone. <laughs> Well, what are the tools of your trade, then, it sounds a like? A mouth and a telephone. <laughs> so you're always on the phone. Uh, the phone is a very big part. of The tools of the trade really are a phone, an eye. You have to have an eye for talent, too. I mean, it, that's the thing that separates us. How do you develop an eye for talent? I think it's, um, you know, I think that's something, which is like, you know, um, somebody who has style sense, you know, somebody, you know, puts on clothes and looks wonderful in them and another person walking around looking at a rag bag. Um, it's, you know, taste, you know, somebody understands good wine. I mean, you all, you know, when you see an actor, it's something that, you know, when they, tr when it's magic, there's magic on stage, you know. So maybe an actor, uh, a talent agent has a, a special gift? Can this not be learned? Well, they have to, um, I, well, I think, I recognize? think the mechanics of the business can be learned, but like everything, the, the thing that uh, separates us is that extra something. Right. It's the thing that makes it, what makes an actor a star is that extra something, that extra piece of magic they have. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, with an agent, with oh. a producer, it's the eye and, um, you know, and being able to recognize, you know, something when you see it. What, what makes an antique dealer look at a piece and say, that's very fine? Mm -hmm. Same thing. I noticed that you said we. We didn't get the part, or we g didn't get the Did part. Did I say that? Yes. Do you feel an attachment then to your, um, to your clients sometimes, well, you see, or it I, becomes you? 
I, I, there, I mean, their success of their success is very rewarding to me. Mm. It, it's very, very rewarding to me. Um, and um, their failures really are my failures. I mean, I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, ups, I'm equally as upset. Mm. So um, I do feel it's very much a partnership. You know, I feel that. Uh, you know, an agent very often gets, you know, gets blamed. I and mean, when they get the part, they got it because they were so talented. And when they didn't get it, it was all their agents' fault. But um, in actual fact, I've had a lot of very loyal clients. And um, I do feel, of, I th think of us as a team, you know. Is loyalty a quality that's needed for an agent? Um, do you need to be loyal to your clients? Well, I am loyal to my clients. Um, I, I, I think that the business has changed so much. I, um, you know, and agents, you know, agents almost to fall out of word. It's like, you know, lawyer, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I think the business has changed so much. Yeah. There was some. Um, when I first came into the business, Abe Lasvergal was running the William Morris office, and Abe Lasvergal said, you know, you, you can steal from the other large agencies. It's very hard for a smaller agent. You know, you take a young actor, you nurture them, you, you, know, you go through all the showcases, you go through all the minimum jobs, you get them to a point where they're interesting, you know, and you, they, you might even get them apart, you know, in a film. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the big agencies like Barracudas come mm. down, they mm. flood them with scripts and, you know, they say to them, you know, well, Lionel has been wonderful for you, but you've now reached a stage in your career when you really need blah, blah, blah. And, you know, basically a lot of that is, is, um, is, is crap because, you know, I have the same, um, I read the same scripts, you know, I have the same contacts and, uh, they're, they're just, you know, flooding them. With, they, they send these scripts. Half the scripts are never going to be produced or have been produced or whatever. They send them down by limousine. But they say you need an office in Rome and you need an office in London. And it's ridiculous because if you, once you sign, you, you, know, you never get them on the phone again. And they find that out. But, you know, when you've got a, an agent that you have a bond with, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be able to, he's going to be accessible to you. And uh, if he's going to be, you know, tenacious, you know, then... It, you, you can't have better than that. So you, it's a very competitive business. Very competitive, yes. But you see, but then, the, as I say, you know, the, um, they, you know people... And, but in those days, Abe Lasswell said, you can steal from the large agencies, but you can't steal from a, you know, an, a small independent agency. You're taking away their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, you know, there are actors that work all the time that are, you know, they are, you know, a lot of the public don't know them, but you see them on mm -hmm. film, you see them on the stage, you see them... Uh, in television all the time and they they know the guy and they think he's great but they don't know their name in the business we know their names and um, those people are bread and butter actors you know they're people that are always going to work do you always take 10 percent yes it's, a, it's um, we're franchised by unions um, you can't just be an agent you have to um, have a license we're an employment agency just as we a headhunter you know will get a um, you know an assistant a secretary a computer person a job um, we are an employment agency so we're finding parts for people instead of you know yeah. office jobs and uh, but so we have to be licensed by the, um, the by the, the city we have a we have a license then we have to be franchised by the unions. We have to have a franchise at Actors' Equity, Screen Actors' Guild, um, AFTRA, and we have to be familiar with those rules. Our clients um, are members of those unions. We're not allowed to put them in productions that aren't under those auspices. And um, 
Are you in a union? Yeah, well, I, I'm not in a union. So but the I, patrons but I, aren't but I'm, in unions. I'm, uh, um, the actor is a, is a member of Actors' Equity, and I am a franchised agent of Actors' Equity. So I have to, you know, my clients have an Actors' Equity contract when, you know, when they appear on Broadway, and um, they're subject to those rules and regulations. How do you get a franchise if you think you'd like to be an agent? Um, well, you apply for one, oh. and uh, then they will, you know, to I mean... SAG. You apply, to, you apply SAG. to SAG, you apply to Actors' Equity, yes. and you apply to AFTRA, and um, you, they send you the forms, and you fill out the forms, but I mean, they obviously will require, you know, I, I imagine some experience. I mean, in my case, yes. I came from, um, I had several years with an agency as a sub-agent. The agency has the agency has the franchise, mm -hmm. and um, in my case at Lionel Lana Limited, it, I have the franchise, and if I hire an, an agent to work in my office, he has a sub, he's a sub-agent. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I was um, for many, many years with a large company. And then when I went on my own, I was, I'm, everyone at Actors' Equity and all those unions knew me, because frequently you have to call them. You frequently have to call and check on, uh, on a ruling, or there might be a dispute, you know, with an actor. Um, and you, you have to, you know, um, sometimes two actors get into a fight on stage. Oh, yes. And that can well, go. you've had experience with that. <laughs> May I say the word Nicole Williamson? <laughs> oh my God, you, how did you know that? <laughs> oh, I do not reveal my sources. So what happens when you have an actor who has a temper tantrum or who has a problem on stage and the other actors get upset? Well, it's just, you know, I mean, it, sometimes it has to go, to, it goes to an arbitration at, at equity, um, but... Um, um, well, what happened in the case of, let's say, Nicole Williamson? That must have... Well, Nicole, um, when I was representing him, he, he slapped an actor on stage when he was doing Rex, but I wasn't representing him in those oh. days. I represented him during his Hamlet. Okay. My experience with that um, was um, even more alarming because he, it was opening night in Boston, and um, the, it was going so well, the producer had gone for a walk around the block, and he suddenly said... Um, this is a load of crap in the middle of uh, one of the scenes and threw a goblet across the stage and walked off stage. Mm. And the actors left the stage and the curtain came down and I ran back. And, uh, they Who, said, did somebody call you? I was sitting in the audience. Oh, I the saw audience. it happen. It was opening night. Oh, and I, opening night. Opening night. Yes. And um, ah. I ran back um, to the theater. The stage doorman said, you know, you can't go in there. I said, no, absolutely, I can. I'm his agent. And Nickel was sitting there with his head in his hand saying it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And uh, the press were, you know, hounding at the door. And it was a nightmare. And uh, there was a tour following this. I'm glad you brought this up because I'd forgotten about it. But um, he, I said, Nickel, you have to go out on stage and you have to explain to the audience what you're telling me. He had said, that it was lousy. I, I really wasn't giving my best. The company was down, and I just wasn't giving my best. So, Nicole, um, I gave him some champagne. I calmed him down. I got the press to go away. I got him out on stage, and he, I mean, everyone was in total shock. <laughs> I don't think it ever happened. Mm -hmm. And he came out, and he said exactly what I, uh, he told me that he, he wasn't doing well. He has to give 110% of himself, and he wasn't doing that. He said, I will finish the performance, and then came the agent's nightmare, but this is my last performance on any stage ever. 
he announced his retirement and he finished the play and he got um, you know wonderful reviews we went out afterwards and we went back to the Ritz and the reviews said that he was the greatest thing since John Dar Barrymore mm -hmm. and and um, I said um, you were very lucky mm -hmm. and he said no I was and I was very good I said Nicole <laughs> they could have said that you stank I said you were very lucky mm -hmm. and um, I always tell to even when it not worked well. I've always told the truth to my clients, mm -hmm. and um, he, you know, it, it, and then the next day, the press, the, the press actually that night were at the door, hammering at the door, and I said, "Look, you've got to give this man a break. He's just had this unbelievable breakdown." And I said, "You've got to give him tonight." I said, "If you." I said, if you will leave him alone tonight, I'll give you a press conference tomorrow at 12 noon at the Ritz. And so they, I called them gentlemen. I said, gentlemen, please understand. And they said, well, you know, have you ever seen anything like it? And I don't know where this came from, because I was only in my 20s at the time. I said, you know, if Maria Callas did this in Tosca, I said, you wouldn't be at all surprised because they're not for stars, date diva, they have temperament. I said, what is the difference between her playing Tosca, which she only plays, you know, maybe four performances every 10 days, and my client, who is playing Hamlet eight times a week, which he's been doing in England and has been doing on Broadway for three months. I said, he rehearsed a new Laertes this morning. He did an early television show. The man is exhausted. Mm -hmm. I said, what is the difference? And I said, you go away, and we'll give you a press conference tomorrow. But where that answer came from, I don't know, because I, I didn't have it in my head. <laughs> but what is the difference? I mean, he was exhausted playing a great role. So it sounds as though you have to be a psychologist to handle people. You have to be very quick mentally to come up with some good explanations for your client's behavior. Right, <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean, I suppose all of those, all of those things, things that we have to be mother and father and a little yes, understanding yes, yes. about it all. So you're a, a career manager as well Absolute. as an agent. Absolutely. I mean, agents technically get you a job and take 10%. They negotiate the contract, but then, um, you know, all those other things are the pluses. Those other things yes. are the pluses. I mean, you know, because basically you're working in, in a way in public relations as well. Mm -hmm. So you're a press agent. Well, they, a mother, big a stars have all those people. Yes. You know, they have a press agent, they have a business manager, but um, but you uh, but but in a more intimate um, situation, you know, more intimate office, we are all those things. What do you do about an actor who doesn't want to be typecast, who says, I'm tired of playing this sort of part. Go and find me something that's else. That's the part you play for nothing. That's <laughs> the part that you say, you know, well, that's the part when you, you, know, you, you push and push and push and push, and you, know, you, you get them, and then you, you can't make the deal that you would make for the part that they're really you know, established for. So you believe somewhat in typecasting that people should follow well, I along. don't believe I don't believe in it um, I don't believe in it um, look um, I think one of the you know the great examples is that you know Carol O'Connor played Archie Bunker mm -hmm. and um, you know at the same time a few years later was in a dramatic series called in the heat of the night mm -hmm. but I mean he would have made a fantastic Willie Loman it's uh, to my dying day mm -hmm. I'm oh. going to regret that I never got oh. got him Willie Loman uh, you know at some point in his career yeah. but uh, he was a fabulous actor mm -hmm. so you, you need uh, the, the um, an actor has to work. They have to. They have to work all the time, and um, sometimes, 
you know, they're doing something, they're very successful with it the way he was, and then you don't, you can't have those other opportunities as, you know, price. Describe a typical day. A typical day. Yes. When does it begin? Well, for a, typ a, 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 well, um, a typical day uh, begins by, you know, um, you know, getting to the office, and the first order of the day is we get, we, we now, now we get something called breakdowns, and uh, it's a service that only agents and uh, managers can subscribe to, but it's delivered to the office or it comes in on your computer, on your email, and it's a list of the television, the film, theater, off-Broadway productions. Who's producing it? Who's directing it? Um, when it rehearses, um, when it, when, when it, um, when, if it's a play, when it opens, so if it's a film, when it's going to be shot, the location, um, the choreographer, the director, and um, when the auditions are, then it lists, you know, Aunt Katie, you know, 45, you know, alcoholic, you know, uh, funny, um, um, Uncle Bert, you know, uptight business type, and, you know, um, you know, Sally, 13 years old, you know, or it might say, you know, um, um, you know, it's a black part, or it might say, um, you know, uh, su submit mm -hmm. ethnic types for this. But we go through those, and then we, you know, look, look at our client list, if it's a big list. With me, I've always been able to do it in my head. Mm -hmm. um, but then you suggest your, you know, you, you, you suggest your clients, and you send a, a, in, in either a written submission with a photograph, and why they need a photograph every time, I don't know, but mm -hmm. there's a picture and bio uh, goes um, on for all of those things. So, I mean, a lot, if, if you've got a big list and, you've got, and there's a lot going on, those submissions, and they have to go up by the end of the day, because the sooner they get there, the better, and they can. In Hollywood, they go up by messenger. Mm -hmm. And here, I suppose some agencies send them by messengers, others mail them. Then, um, you know, then you would follow up with a phone call. Mm -hmm. Did you get my list? Um, I mean, this is um, the mechanics for, you know, um, I work on a slightly different level, because I have more established clients mm -hmm. now, and um, uh, frequently, you know, I'm called about them, or I will call and you know you don't you, you can bypass mm -hmm. that, but that is the f the day to day function, and um, then you you know people um, will might come in uh, if you've gotten them job to sign the contract, and then you have to go over the contract with them. You make sure that they understand it. You mm -hmm. might ask them to take it to their lawyer. Um, you might take an, an actor out um, you know to lunch to discuss a pro a problem. You might go out with a producer to to discuss his needs. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, you go, go to the theater. So you go to the theater almost every night? Well, I, I did. I mean, oh, you, know, right. there is, you know, once you see everything. But right. there's always a showcase. There's always something. But I do go to the theater. I'm on my way to London tonight, and um, I'm going to, when I get there, uh, the day I get there, I get there tomorrow morning, I'm seeing um, uh, Judy Dench in The Royal Family. Sadly, she's not a client, but I'm seeing The Royal Family. Um, Maybe on you can get her. On... <laughs> 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 Then I'm seeing Private Lives the next mm -hmm. night, and then I'm seeing the My Fair Lady, and then I'm seeing uh, uh, Diana Rigg in Humble Boy at the National Theatre. So you travel for your business too. You can oh, go yes. to different cities. You go to well, Australia. English I've been speaking. To I went to Australia for. See, it's another one of the perks of uh, my uh, job uh, was it did take me to wonderful locations. But I went to Australia to see uh, Keith Michelle in um, La Cage aux Folles, which mm -hmm. he was doing there. I went there for the opening of that. 
You have a huge Rolodex of phone numbers, yes. and uh, is that part of your equipment for your trade? Well, it is. Um, you know, um, you, 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 if, if um, I mean, when Bob Fosse was alive, um, he was a neighbor. Paddy Chayefsky was a neighbor. But I had uh, all of those numbers. Um, you do. Um, you would frequently call those people rather than a casting person. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know when uh, Bob Fosse was doing, um, oh God, when he was doing Cabaret, um, I worked on Cabaret in New York. Um, you know, and then of course he did. You know, he did the film. Um, God, I'm trying Pippin. When mm -hmm. uh, Bob Fosse did Pippin, I, you know, I read the script of Pippin, and I, I really didn't understand it at all. And uh, my client said to me, "Well, what do you think we do about this?" I said, "We trust Bob Fosse. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's going to do with this, and I just think we have to go with that." And it was a client called Eric Berry. He play, played the king in it, and um, and of course I was, you know, I was right about that, you know. But I think that's another thing. You look at the ingredients. You know, you look about who's involved in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, something with, you know, today with Susan Stroman, you know, doing it. I mean, you're going to... direct a choreographer. That's right. You're yes. going to take that very seriously. You look at who is involved. Have you ever had to tell an actor not to take a part? Um, I've never had to tell an actor not to take a part. I've said I wouldn't do this. Um, I wouldn't want to do this. I mean, if I thought it was like... Um, cheap, um, I, I'm not worthy. I would say, look, I, and, and I would say, <coughs> I, I'm not recommending, this has been offered to you, I'm not recommending you do it. Mm -hmm. um, if you need the money, you do it. But I'm, I'm not telling you that I want you to do this. I have told them that because mm -hmm. I don't think it would be good. What, what education, what would you advise a, a young student to take? What courses? Well, obviously, I would I would advise that they you know they they take any course that would involve them in sort of in, in great plays. I mean, mm -hmm. or anything to do, um, you know, with um, literature. I mean, I I think literature is 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 great, but then I would um, I would also I'd want them to take a legal course. Yes, I think those are the two. But you didn't. I didn't. No, when so. I didn't. But you see, the thing is, but you know, I came into the business in a very circuitous way, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, as, as I say, I worked for this. Mm -hmm. I worked for this agency where we had, uh, you know, vaudeville acts and and a, and a legitimate theatre, and um, then I went straight on from the, I, after several jobs like that. Mm -hmm. I had several of them. I went to work um, at the inception of commercial television, and um, if for television, and then I went to work for Mr. Preminger. And um, then he brought me to the United States. He sponsored me here. And when I got here, couldn't get a job, worked at the right, Bible Society. Right. Made the rounds. I walked around just the way an actor does, going up to agencies, asking to oh. be interviewed. And, um, and then I got hired by a great agency. It so, was an independent agency. But they, the Equity had done a poll, and they had more actors on uh, Broadway than any other agency. And it was an agency called Baum Newborn. And um, one of their big clients, they had a lot of clients, but one of their big clients at the time, and it was at the beginning of his, I came in at the beginning of, of his career. He'd done a couple of important motion pictures, but he had just, he, uh, he was just opening in Chicago, and I was in Chicago, and I went to see it and sat at the balcony. It was Sidney Poitier in oh. Raisin in the Sun, but that was one of their big clients at the time. That must have and been. he's Sydney remained a client of Marty Baum's till to this day. If you want to talk about loyalty in the theatre, 
tell me what uh, I know you make 10% uh, of each client. Yeah, but, but that's not very much sometimes. Sometimes we make less. Um, oh, some, you take less sometimes? Yeah, I With mean, a if new somebody. Young person, you mean? Well, you no, it's not that way. It's like um, if some, somebody is doing, say, um, a, an off Broadway situation, or, you know, it may be just. Um, a, a one-time fee of fifty dollars. I mean, there's certain things that's just like a one-time fee, or, or it, so it's, it can be less than fifty. Uh, it can be less than ten percent, but it's never more than ten percent. We're not allowed to take more. How much can a uh, an, an agent make? I mean, what is the range of income? Well, if you're for, uh, if you're CA, if you're CAA and you're Which putting people in movies at twenty million dollars well, a movie, we're talking about the theater. Oh, we're talking about the theater. What about the theater? The theater, um, you know, it's it's hard to say. But I mean, an actor, you know, I mean, a, a star actor, you know, in a, a phenomenal hit. Um, say, like the producers. I mean, they could, I don't know what Nathan Lane's deal is, but I'm, but I, it just, it's assumed that he's making, you know, uh, 40, 40 or 50,000 a week. I mean, he's on a percentage of the gross, I'm sure, mm -hmm. and he may be on a percentage of the profits. I don't know, and it's not no. right for me no. to talk about him, <laughs> but, but an actor of that caliber, you know, earning 40 or 50, you know, thousand a week, an agent would make four or 5,000 on, on that one client, mm -hmm. and, um, and when you think in terms of Hollywood, it's still not a lot. I mean, as no, opposed to somebody getting, right. you know, you know, tr you know, much more. You know, yeah. twenty twenty million a picture, even a million a picture. Right, but in, in the theater, it, it would go up to four thousand a week. Would well, be no, the highest and the lowest. <laughs> well, no, well, the lowest would be, you know, I don't know, I don't know what uh, scale is, but it's right. a couple of thousand okay. dollars a week, so it would be you'd be earning two hundred dollars a week, okay. you know. And how many clients, uh, for instance, do you have? Well, I've scaled my client list down because mm -hmm. I, I'm, I try to, I'm, I work in a very personal way. I'm very one-on-one. -on -one. I found over the years that, you know, that I've had a lot of agents work for me. I've started a lot of careers. Mm -hmm. My agents are dotted all over mm -hmm. New York and Los Angeles. They're good, and, uh, and some of them were, I mean, terrific. But when the actor signs with you, it's like you go into a doctor. You know, suddenly, you, you know, you're seeing someone else. It's like, well, I didn't, you know. They, they really want yes. you. Yes. And it's, a, it's, an, it's sometimes a dangerous thing to do because, you know, you can assign your client to another agent and then they build a rapport and the next thing is, you know, they're not your client anymore. <laughs> so, um, uh, but, you know, you can, I mean, an agent can have, as, you know, 100 clients, 100. 40 clients, 50 clients. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on, on, the, on the agency. I've scaled mine down because I don't have enough time in the day to, to you know, I, I like to talk to my clients, and um, you know, we discuss so many things with them, and you know, I try to follow through. I try to be very thorough. I don't spread myself thin. So, do people come to you and beg and say, "Please take me, take me"? Um, I do get an awful lot of, um, you know, I do get an awful lot of requests. Yes. Because almost every actor these days has to have an agent. Doesn't well, it, he? yes, you do. You I mean, I really think just go to an audition. Well, you can, but it's very well, difficult it's, to no, do. It's very hard it? for them to get in. They go to open calls. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to get an audition. You need an agent to get you an audition. You need an agent to get you the audition. But, I mean, you know, um, yes, I can be persuasive, um, but basically, however persuasive I was, say, for Glynis Johns, mm -hmm. 
All I did was get them to see her. She mm -hmm. got that she job. Got I mean, my job was to get her in the door. And I have to tell you, Miss John said to me, you know, Lionel, in England, stars don't audition. And I said, well, you know, Glynis, in America, stars do. do. <laughs> but um, she was very upset at having to audition. But, you know, I opened the door, but Glynis got that job on her, you know, talent. And... Um, so, but you do need an agent to get you in. It's very hard for an actor to get to get seen, you know. Mm -hmm. To get, and you see, the other thing an agent would do is, uh, um, is if I find a new client, then I call up the casting directors and I, you know, that I know, and I say, look, I've signed this new client, and they're wonderful. And it's the casting director's job to keep themselves uh, familiar with all the new people coming into the business, and mm -hmm. you know, and, and of course, with sometimes when they're looking for young people. There can't be a lot of experience there. You know, yeah. they're looking for, you know, 16, 17-year-old girl or boy. But, you know, you meet someone. I, I had um, dinner, actually, with Stacy Keach, mm -hmm. and he invited somebody along, and there was this amazing girl. I mean, she was so... Um, Incredible. It was star quality, but you know she was an actress. She was in college, and I thought to myself, you know, I wonder if that girl would like to act because Thank you. I'm you, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's a wonderful story. Thank you so much. I really learned a lot about being an, an agent. Thank I you. doubt that. We've been talking with talent agent Lionel Larner for the American Theatre Wing. I'm Pia Lindstrom. The American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre is a project of the American Theatre Wing and the New York Public Library's Billy Rose Theater Collection, Theater on Film and Tape Archive.